Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome to the whole you, work, home, life, a DGG Unleashed podcast with thought leader Joe Serio. In each of Joe's episodes, he's going to be raw and real with you on what it takes to be the whole you at work, home, and life in order to thrive today and in the future. Let's begin. Welcome to the whole you, work, home, life. It's Joe Serio. You know, last couple of episodes, we were talking about clarity, focus, and consistency. What are the things that you can do to guarantee success if there is such a thing? It's very difficult to have success without having those three things. But today, I wanted to move on and talk about creativity. And there's no one better to have in the studio with me today than Dennis Welch. I'm going to have to read a little bit because he's got a lot going on. Dennis Welch is the president and CEO of Articulate, a PR firm, a communications company that has represented some of the titans of industry. He spent nearly 15 years at the Gallup organization, the legendary polling company, where he was responsible for some innovative marketing approaches that took the company to new heights. Dennis has written more than 500 songs. I fell in love with his music about two years ago when his song Why Not Me came out. That album found its way into the Grammy ballot in five different categories. His new album, If I Live to Be 100, has done the same. And I have to tell you that I've listened to that album at least 25 times. It's a great collection of music. Everything he does revolves around a central core of faith, family, relationships, and creativity. I am thrilled to have Dennis Welch here to talk about creativity and work. Dennis, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me, Joe. My pleasure. We, we, we've had a lot of conversations over pizza, but this is, <laughs> this is the first one over uh, a microphone. A microphone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So we want to talk about creativity. And obviously, to me, you're the perfect person. Because if we're talking about creativity and work, you've come out of the corporate world. You have that experience. You have written more than 500 songs. What, how do you see the role of creativity in the workplace? Because so often we're geared toward quarterly reports, the bottom line, you know, metrics. And if you don't meet the metrics, you're out. But there's got to be something else. And in this day and age, especially in hopefully the post-COVID or at least less intense COVID world that we're living in, a lot of people have been wondering the last three or four years, is this all there is? I'm not very satisfied at work. And what is it What is it that life can be more of? How can I have more of what I really want? And how does that fuse with the workspace? Well, first of all, Joe, pe- people, the, the place it begins is knowing yourself. You know, m- most of us, <clears throat> there's a Gallup a question that's on the Q12, their engagement study, they've been asking for probably 30 years, and the numbers have never changed. At work, it's really not a question, it's a statement. At work, I get to do what I do best every day. For almost 30 years, only 20% of people answer yes to that question. So if so, think about that. It's a self-reported question. And you're asking me, and I'm reporting for myself, if I'm any good at what I do, if I'm doing, my, if I'm doing what I do best. It's crazy to think that 80% of people are just going to work every day and doing stuff, and they're not doing that thing that they were wired to do. 
But look, it takes a combination of things. First of all, you have to want to know yourself. You have to find time. You have to proactively figure out who you are and who you aren't. You know, what you do best and what you, you don't do so well. And then the other sort of variable is that, you know, there's a, there's a, it's, it's hard. If you have an employee, let's say you're a manager and you have an employee and you know what, you know this dude is in the wrong role, okay? Mm-hmm. But you still got to get work done every day. So if you're unselfish, you would go to that person and say, you know what, Joe? I don't think this is a great fit for you. I know you can do something. You know, Don Clifton used to say, uh, the inventor of the Strengths Finder used to say that every person can do at least one thing better than 10,000 other people. Some people have two or five things they can do better than 10,000 other people. You know, and that's awesome. But, but what he doesn't say is that, that we do, that everybody can do 10,000 of the same thing. What, what I do better than 10,000 other people is not what you do, Joe. It's not. And so, you know, so figuring that stuff out and then having somebody who comes alongside you and says, okay, Joe, I'm going to be unselfish. I got work to do today and I really need somebody in that seat. But I think that you'd be fantastic in another place in this company or even in another company. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to figure out how to get you there. That's, a, that's not the typical way of leading. Uh, and so because of that, most people don't have really any encouragement to get to know themselves. And so we stumble on through 70, 80 years here, and we never get to do the one thing that we came here for. That's just, that seems like a, a nightmare. You know, you know that's the, the you know Jim Collins and Good to Great and that book that made such a huge splash mm-hmm. years ago, probably twenty years ago, and he, and one of the the famous things he said was get the right people on the bus and get the right people into the right seats, and mm-hmm. basically unspoken is get the wrong people off the bus, right? And which seems uh, which seems on the surface when you say it like that seems calloused, right? Like you're going to fire me. I, you know, I've got I've got rent to pay and stuff. It's like, no, you know, so one of my friends, Bob Bodine, Sports Illustrated, called him the most influential man in sports you've never heard of. You, you know, mm-hmm. Bob, we've talked about it. So so Bob says to people when they come to him and they've lost their job, here's what he says. And I didn't believe him when he said it the first time he told me this. He said, the guy comes or lady comes and sits down in front of us. I lost my job. They're forlorn because they lost their job. And he goes, congratulations, it's the best day of your life. And he said, you know why? Because you're going to get a chance now to be Joe Serio and not somebody else's version of Joe Serio. So let's figure out how we can do, find you something where you can do that. That's, uh, that's so counterintuitive to the way the culture, work culture, especially hiring and stuff, how it works. It doesn't work like that. We're, because we know a lot about your what. You know, you go get a degree to be a, an attorney, you get a law degree. But you hate confrontation. <laughs> you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong place, right? And so somebody needs to tell you that. But if they need somebody to take the next case, and there's nobody to do it. They're, it's going to be hard to find those kind of people. You know, we're going to get to creativity, but I want to take a slight detour at stress and resilience because what you're talking about and what Bob was saying was, hey, here's the situation. You get the opportunity to reframe it and to think mm-hmm. about it differently instead of this is catastrophic. It's right. like, wait a second. No, this is an opportunity. Yeah. This is an opportunity to go get closer to being able to do to be to not be one of those eighty percent. 
Right. To not be one of those 80% and to have an opportunity to go find more of yourself and to express that on a daily basis in the work that you do, that's going to define your life. Mm-hmm. Right. How much time do we spend at work? Lots and lots of Most it. of our time. Most of it. Yeah. You know, so it's a great little, it's a resilience tool that I use in my programs. I talk with my audiences about reframing that simple tool alone mm-hmm. requires you to quiet your brain a little bit, take a step back, breathe, and look at this thing from a different angle and different lenses. Well, look, every great thing has happened for me in my life. The reason I'm here several years ago. One of my, the lady I used to work for, wonderful, wonderful boss, taught me how to, taught me the book PR business. Her daughter was in a UT film school and she called me one day and she said, she called me Uncle Dennis. She goes, Uncle Dennis, you know, I'm in the, as you know, I'm in the UT film school and me and my team are making a, a documentary and I'd love for you to be in it. So I didn't even know what it was about, and but I said, absolutely, you know, what are the details and when do you want me there and all that stuff. So Susie and I go down to the UT film school and we go in and they do all the makeup and stuff and lights and there's all these little fresh face 20 year olds out, out there, her team, you know, the lights all come up and she comes and stands in front of me and she says, so you're 64 or whatever I was at the time. When you were 20 like us or 25 like us, how did you know you'd be here? And I said, well, let me be honest. I said, I, I didn't know I'd be here because I didn't know it was a here here. Mm. But I did know this. I knew what being here felt like. I'd had enough, I'd had enough experience to know, even at 20, that I wanted my life to feel like this. And so as much as I was able to economically and everything, I said no to everything that didn't feel like this. And I said, let me be clear. I said, if you turn, if my life was a road and you turned onto it to start driving, you wouldn't go far and you would go, man, this, this, this looks dangerous. There's a lot of stuff on this road that I don't want to participate in. I'm going to back out of this and go somewhere else. I said, but let me be clear also that every great thing that's happened has happened because I was stopped on this road, stopped, and it looked like failure. And it was like, now what am I going to do? You know, when I got to the end, look, the Gallup organization was the first real job I ever had. And when it came to an end, and I knew it was coming to an end, and I knew I was supposed to leave there. It was clear to me that I was. And there was not one customer. There was not one hint of what I was going to do next, but it was time to stop here. And so, so I did. And the life I'm living now is because all these things are, inter, you know, they're interlocking. You know, they all mean something. Even the fail, things that look like failure, they're the thing that if you'll go off and like you say, to reframe, it's a great word, and think about, okay, so what, what's really happening here? You know, let me stop being the victim for a minute and let me think about what's really happening here because this might be a chance for us to, and you fill in the blank. And you know about this because you've done the same thing. You know, it's, it's funny. I was just thinking about the time when I was finishing up my PhD, I assumed that I would go teach somewhere at a university. And I sat down, I got quiet, 
And I sat down and I started thinking, okay, do I want to teach 17, 18, 19-year-olds for the rest of my life? Do I want to teach kids who come to class in their pajamas all the time? Do I want to teach kids who don't do their homework? Do I want to be assigned to committees on topics I can't stand? And all the answers came up no. Of course. I love teaching and I love doing research and reading and writing. But that version of it was not it. It wasn't it. Right. But But I at least understood here's the core of what drives me. Mm-hmm. The packaging is not right. And I knew the packaging wasn't right. And going to the university probably would have been an easier road. By far. Because I finished school and I had zero dollars income. Right. And I had no employer. <laughs> right. You know, and, and most people would say, I can't do that. No. That's impossible. That's scary. You don't understand. I have bills. Yeah. We all got bills. Yeah. And so part of... I, I don't think I've ever thought of it quite this way before, but I think creativity is, I think part of creativity is having the nerve. It's having the nerve to listen. Mm -hmm. It's having the nerve to listen to whatever that thing is in your head that says, this doesn't feel right. Like Mm -hmm. you just said about Gallup. Mm -hmm. I knew it was coming to an end. It wasn't over yet, but I didn't have a single client, but I knew that this wasn't my road to continue on. And, well, and, and now you're forced to get creative. Right. And look, the door opening is only half the, half the issue. Whether you're wondering what's on the other side of that door of opportunity or you're asking yourself, is that all there is? Then you won't want to miss the next episode of The Whole You, Work, Home, Life, when Joe Sirio and Dennis Welch continue their conversation about the importance of creativity and living life to your full potential. Join Joe and Dennis next month as they describe what it feels like to leave the shores of safety and embrace the thrill of new opportunities on the other side of that door. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and digging deep into what's ahead for your future as the whole you. We'll be back next month for Joe and another episode. But until then, please visit his website for additional information at joeserio.com. And remember, don't let the shift hit your plans.